0: You guys ready? This is the warm-up. This is the warm-up. Because then I talk, you talk back at me. This is how it works, right? Okay. What do you use to mend a jack-o'-lantern? A pumpkin patch. Okay. Number two. Number two. Uh, Who helps the little pumpkins cross the road to school? The crossing gourd. Crossing gourd. (laughs) All right, last one, I promise. But um, all right, all of you really smart people out here. uh, Oh, Kent's upstairs, darn it. Uh, What do you get when you divide the circumference of your jack-o'-lantern by its diameter? Pumpkin? Oh, see, there's more smart people in here. That was awesome. All right, well, we are in the book of Acts, so go ahead, open your Bibles or your Bible apps today. Uh, First, I want to do a little bit of review. Um, We kicked it off by reading in chapter 1 of Acts about Jesus returning to his disciples right after his resurrection. He was ministering to them, commissioning them, and then finally, right before he ascends back up into the heavens, he tells them that they are going to be baptized by the Holy Spirit and to go and wait. So in chapter 2, we read the account of the day of Pentecost, which is when they had done what Jesus asked and they stayed behind. And they were waiting, and then all of a sudden there was this loud rushing wind, and like tongues of fire came down, and everybody is talking in all these languages, and everybody inside is being filled by the Holy Spirit, and everybody outside is what the scriptures say, amazed and perplexed. They have no idea what's going on. So then Peter steps forward, and he addresses this amazed and perplexed crowd. And he gives this bomb message, right? He talks about Jesus, and he talks about the crucifixion, and he talks about the resurrection, and repentance, and salvation. And then it says about 3,000 believed that day and were baptized. And then we saw from that the birth of the church. As the believers then began to gather, and they formed community, and they worshiped corporately, and they were giving from everything that they had to one another, And then last week, Dan preached about the beggar that was healed at the gate of the temple and how healing and miracles are still being done today all around us. And then Peter, after this man's healing, he stands to address the crowd once again and he preaches about Jesus and that he was crucified and that he was resurrected. And then he preached repentance and salvation through the name of Jesus. And that brings us up to speed to today's passage. So we're going to start reading in chapter 4, the beginning, and go through verse 22. Um, I'm going to read a lot of scripture today. I hope that's okay. Is that all right? We read from the Word of God this morning? Okay. All right. Well, let's open to Luke. I got my big, big daddy Bible here. Okay. So let us start. It says, While Peter and John were speaking to the people, They were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus, there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it, so the number of believers now totaled about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, By what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Boom. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber, and they conferred among themselves. What should we do with these men, they asked each other. We can't deny they have performed a miraculous sign, and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council then threatened them further, but then they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. Praise God. Let's pray. Lord, wow. What an amazing passage that we get to talk about today. Your power on display, Lord. The name of Jesus. The resurrection power that we get to have, God. Would you just speak to our hearts this morning? Would you challenge us in areas we need to be challenged? Would you encourage us in areas we need to be encouraged, Lord? Would you spur us forward? Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. So I want to start by setting the stage of this exchange. Um... Peter and John were at the temple, so let's identify all of the characters involved. Uh, So we already said Peter and John. And then there's the captain of the temple guard, the Sadducees, the council of all the rulers and elders, the teachers of religious law, Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. Does this list sound familiar to anybody else? Anybody else having deja vu? A little bit? Where else have we seen almost all of these same people together? So let's read in Matthew 26. Verse 3 says, At that same time, the leading priests and elders were meeting at the residence of Caiaphas, the high priest, plotting how to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. And then a little further down, then the people who had arrested Jesus led him to the home of Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of religious law and the elders had gathered. Meanwhile, Peter followed him at a distance and came to the high priest's courtyard. He went in and sat with the guards and waited to see how it would all end. Inside, the leading priests and the entire high council were trying to find witnesses who would lie about Jesus so they could put him to death. So right here in this scene, we have almost all of the same people that were there when Jesus was arrested and brought before those officials. That time, however, Peter wasn't the one on trial, but we'll get back to that in just a minute. But um, let's continue on in Acts. Verse 7, it says, They brought in the two disciples and demanded, By what power or in whose name have you done this? And then it says in verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is, no, there is salvation and no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, where they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Again, I want to stop here and ask, does anybody remember another time that Peter actually quite recently was recognized as a man who had been with Jesus? Yeah, it's all kind of starting to sound familiar, right? So again, let's read from Luke 22 where it says, this is Jesus, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, You will deny three times that you even know me. And then in verse 54, it says, So they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home. It's talking about Jesus. And Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. And finally she said, This man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, You must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, This must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, Man, I don't even know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard, weeping bitterly. Can we just let that sit for a second? So here he is again. And I can imagine that Peter... As he now stood on trial in an eerily familiar situation, started to have flashbacks maybe to that very moment. A moment of failure, a moment of deep grief and immense regret. And in this moment that we're looking at right now, the enemy probably fired every weapon of doubt and fear and guilt and shame that he had at Peter to try to keep him from speaking about what he had just witnessed to be true. But also, in that exact same moment, right here when he's accused of the same thing, of being associated with Jesus, something else happened. Remember, Jesus had told Peter that he would deny him. But what else did he tell him? He said, When you have repented and turned to me, strengthen your brothers. Jesus knew he would have this momentous failure, and yet, having forgiven him, he commissioned him. He was preparing him for such a time as right now. This that Peter's walking through right now and everything that was to follow, it was no surprise to Jesus. Let's read Matthew 10, 16 through 20. It says, Jesus said, Look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves, so be as shrewd as snakes, and harmless as doves. But beware, for you will be handed over to the courts and be flogged with whips in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you were my followers. But this will be your opportunity. If you have a pen and you have markings in your Bible, you better circle that. This will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say, for God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking, it will be the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Hallelujah. So, back to Peter. I think we can all agree that he's probably having a lot of human feels right now. But then, in obedience... And seizing his opportunity, he opens his mouth. And in verse 8, it says, Then Peter, being filled with the Spirit, said to them. Peter begins to speak with boldness that was in the place of fear and with authority. What came out next was not just a really good speaker or this great rebuttal that Peter had maybe been rehearsing in his head for a long time, but by the power of the Spirit speaking through Peter, he was strengthened and empowered and courageously turns what started as a trial for he and John into a trial of those seated before him. Now they had asked Peter two questions at the very beginning of this inquiry. Does any of remember what they were? By what power and in whose name have you done this? the council and all the Jewish leaders could not deny that a miracle had taken place, right? They were like, yeah, it happened, but who did it? uh, There was some power at work here, but when they asked what power, they were actually looking for a way to kind of hopefully catch them, um, saying and attributing this miracle to some ungodly source of power or witchcraft, and that would be considered a crime that they could then arrest them for. And when they were asking, in whose name have you done this, what they really were asking was, who sent you to do this? To do something in someone's name meant that you were acting in the authority of someone else. You were there to represent someone else. In Bible times, this was often the way that kings and authorities would send orders or proclamations out across their kingdoms and lands. Um, There was no newspaper, telegraph, TV, internet, any of that. So, they would send out trusted representatives to tell everyone what was going on. Um, These representatives, if they showed up and tried to execute that authority um, on their own, I'm assuming that it probably didn't always go the way that they expected that it would go. Um, But knowing this, the one who did have the authority would send them out with something that represented them. Often it was a signet ring or a document that was sealed with their official seal so you would know who it was that was actually giving the order. The message would be delivered in the name of or with the power of that king or ruler. And this still happens today, right? Anybody else got an order with a wax seal and a signet on it recently? No? Nobody else? Okay, but for real, this goes down in my house all the time. I will send one child down to deliver a message or an order to the other child, to which the one to whom the message is being delivered usually responds with, anybody have a guess? Don't tell me what to do. You can't tell me what to do, or they just completely ignore them. And then the first child will come back to me and tell me what just went down. And then... Parents, can anybody tell me what happens next when you send that child back downstairs? What do they usually tell them that the this time they go in your name, right? They're bringing the authority with them. There's a big difference between that child going down and telling them on their own versus mom said and then giving them the message is received differently based off of who it is that's sending this. And so, Peter because he has now been empowered by the Holy Spirit, takes on the authority of the one in whose name he has been sent to speak, to minister, to heal on behalf of. And in this spirit-given boldness, Peter holds nothing back in telling them exactly in whose authority he was acting. Verse 8 says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Do you really want to know? I feel like that's what he was like. Do you really want to know? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed, what church? By the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Oh, wait, there's more. The man you crucified But whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, The stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Oh, and P.S. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. If Peter had a mic right then, he would have dropped it, right? I mentioned a little earlier that Peter turned the tables on this inquiry. I want to point out, How he personalized his message to let them know in no uncertain terms they were the ones responsible for the death of Jesus. The verse we just read where it says, the stone that you builders rejected, Peter put the word you in there. That word wasn't there in the original manuscript. So he's letting them know. The stone that you rejected has now become the cornerstone. Talk about being bold. He also lets them know that God raised Jesus from the dead through his resurrection power. What does scripture also say about resurrection power? How about Romans 8:11? The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, guess what? It lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. You want to know in whose name and by what power? In the name and authority of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, the beggar at the gate, this guy right here, stands before you whole. That resurrection power, that same power and authority that is even over death, that is the power that Peter had to do everything the Lord was calling him to to walk it out in boldness. The difference between the last time Peter is accused of knowing Jesus versus this time, the difference between fear and courage, between doubt and confidence, is that now he carries with him wherever he goes, whatever he does, whatever he says, he has the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in him and moving through him. And we have the exact same spirit, church, living within us. We have the exact same access to the exact same promise of boldness and confidence and courage in the face of those that would say, as they did of Peter and John in that day, in amazement, that we are ordinary men and women. And they will recognize that we have been with Jesus. They'll notice that we are different, that we speak differently, that we think differently, that we hope differently. It's really easy to stand out right now from those that have not been with Jesus. Because where fear and anxiety reign supreme right now, where hopelessness and depression, are running rampant where anger and hatred and division permeate everything and are everywhere and those are the voices that are front and center we not only have the opportunity to be different but we have the power to do it that when we walk into a room when we enter a conversation when we engage in community with those around us, that they would be, like the Bible says, that they would be amazed at what comes out of our mouths and our hearts and that our actions would identify us as those who have been with Jesus, that instead of all the things that we just lifted above, or listed above, that we, being filled with the very same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, we would open our mouths and with boldness, out will come love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That even if we have failed in that time and time again, even if we feel like we've completely blown it with our coworkers or our family, our friends or those around us, that we, and this is so important, when the next opportunity arises, because it will that we would be filled to overflowing and allow the Spirit to speak through us. I want you to hear this. It's not too late. It's not too late. Don't give up. Can you imagine if Peter had given up after he denied Jesus? In that moment of heartbreak and defeat, imagine if he had just succumbed to that lie that he had just ruined Everything, You guys, Jesus changes everything. Yes. We carry with us the authority of the name of Jesus Christ within us. It goes with us everywhere we go. So my question to you this morning is, when was the last time you used that authority? We have the authority to speak Jesus over all sorts of things in our lives and in others' lives. But just like we will read next, the word, the world and the enemy of our souls wants nothing more than to silence our voice and not speak it. In verse 16, the council asks, what should we do with these men? We can't deny they performed a miraculous sign and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda further, we must warn them, not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Do you see here that they had no ability to argue with or deny the fact that the beggar had been healed? He was standing right there in front of them. Everyone that had been in the temple that day saw him. And since he'd been there every single day for so many years and everyone knew him I'm sure word had spread like wildfire outside of the temple as well here in front of them stood proof of something miraculous proof of a higher power that they could not deny their whole case imploded because of this witness to the power of Jesus Christ and in whose name he had been made whole Don't you know that when you stand publicly in your miracle, no one can argue with you? No one can deny that something happened. Now, whether they try to pin it on coincidence or fortune or good luck or providence, whatever they will try to use to explain it away, just like all of these religious leaders did, they will be forced to acknowledge it. They said we can't deny they performed a miraculous sign. But God forbid they actually entertain the fact that it could have been through Jesus that this was done. Whatever they attribute it to, with the power of your witness, people will see the power of Jesus on display. And just like in this passage here, people will be stirred to believe. And guess what the enemy's weapon of choice is to keep that from happening? It's to keep you from saying anything. Like my kids say, zip it, lock it, put it in your pocket, right? (laughs) They'll try everything to silence your testimony, just like these guys did to Peter and John. They're like, if we can't argue with what happened, we'll just try to keep it from being made known, right? If they don't tell anyone, it's just going to kind of fizzle out, maybe become like an old folktale. But what was Peter and John's response to this order? Verse 19, But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything that we have seen and heard. Now, I know Dan preached on this last week, but guess what? We're going to talk about it again. We cannot stop telling about everything that we have seen and heard, you guys. Church, tell somebody. Right? Tell somebody about your miracle. Tell somebody about somebody else's miracle. Whether it's a physical healing or a miraculous provision or it's protection or a financial miracle, tell someone and never stop opening your mouth. So I want to do this right now in this room right here. If you've ever experienced a miraculous touch from the Lord in your life in any area, I want you to raise your hand. Look around you, everybody. And then you don't have to go ahead and put your hands down. You don't have to answer this one. But when was the last time you told somebody about it? I know Tammy's been telling people about her miracle. Tammy, are people's faith being encouraged by what you say to them? Amen. Because even believers, you guys, need to hear about testimonies of God moving. We need to tell each other about what he's done. We need to fire each other up that God is still moving and working in our lives and doing what he does, which is miracles and signs and wonders and moving the immovable mountains and speaking life over dead things and restoring things that are broken and making possible the impossible. What will happen when you open your mouth and be bold? Guess what? Faith will rise up. It will rise up in me, in you, and in everyone around you, in those that know Jesus, and most importantly, in those that don't. So to practice what I'm literally preaching, and with this I'm going to invite the worship team back up. I'll give you the Reader's Digest version of one of my miracles. But Dan and I were in Spokane, and we'd been married for a couple years, and we'd been trying to have a baby. And it had been about 14 months, and we just very unexplainedly could not. Um, And Dan had gone to a healing rooms conference and came back, shared his testimony with me about God had touched him and healed him the night before. And I said, well, I want to go with you too, babe. And so I went too. And very reluctantly at the end of the conference, we went up together. And a very sweet couple came and they're like, are you guys trying to have a baby? And we said, yeah, we are. And they just prayed the sweetest prayer over us. And I just also want to tell you that God moves in all sorts of different ways with different people. And when the Lord touched me, nothing supernatural happened in the immediate. Um, You hear stories of people that, you know, feel a warmness or tingling, you know, all these things that happen. But I just want to tell you, like, it's not the same for everybody. And if you're praying over something and you don't, get what maybe somebody else got when they were receiving their miracle, like, you just keep pressing into that. Because the Lord touched me that night, and he healed me. And ten months later, we had Ava. (laughs) So that's my miracle. And you know what's funny? If we're being really real and transparent this morning, I forget about it. I do. I forget God's miracles, and that was a big one in my life. But when I start telling people about that miracle, when I start telling you, even when I was preparing this message, guess, it starts stirring faith in me again. It stirs my faith that God does miracles because he did one for me, and that's just one of many. And the more you start thinking about your miracles and the way God has touched you in a miraculous way in your life, the more you see the hand of God moving in so many ways over your life, and it stirs your faith. It stirs your faith. So this passage ends with this. It says, For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. Everyone was praising God. Praise God, church. Praise God for the miraculous things he has done. Praise God when people recognize that you're different, that you've been with Jesus. Praise God for the Holy Spirit that resides within you and within me. And it allows us to carry the authority of Jesus with us wherever we go. To carry it with us into the places that are hopeless, the places that need breakthrough, that need healing and comfort and peace. Praise God that we get to be different than we were before. That when we repent, after we repent and turn back to God, He calls every single one of us in here to strengthen our brothers and sisters. We strengthen each other. Strengthen each other by sharing Your miracles, don't let anybody stop you. Don't let anyone silence your testimony. And let's all be able to say with boldness that we cannot stop telling everything that we have seen and heard. Hallelujah. So I just want to close in prayer this morning, you guys. And I just want to pray that maybe the Lord is going to give you an opportunity this week to share your miracle. And even if he doesn't, or you don't feel like maybe you've got an opportunity, insert yourself into a conversation and share something with somebody this week. It's like that ripple effect. I share something with Dan, and it stirs up his faith. And then Dan goes out, and he shares something with somebody else, and it stirs up their faith, and so on and so forth. And then all of a sudden, we're being stirred up in the faith together, and we're praising God, and people are going to notice. Amen? Amen. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for this time that we've had together this morning. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to go to your word and to read about your miracles and to read about your resurrection, Lord, and the power that raised you from the dead and that that's the power that we get to have living inside of us, Lord, that we, through you, have everything that we need, God, to live a bold life full of authority, Lord, and that we don't have to be afraid. That when we are obedient to open our mouths, Lord, out will come your spirit. And you will speak truth, Lord. You'll speak peace. You'll speak hope. That those are the things that need to be spoken. Lord, would you give us a chance this week? Would you fling open the doors really wide, Lord, so that it's obvious and we don't miss it? And if we do, Lord, give us another chance. Keep them coming, Lord. We want to share We want to praise God. We want people to know that we've been with Jesus. We are difference makers. We're different. We want to be different for you. Thank you, Lord.